Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. What a special week this was. This Sunday, we celebrated and honored all the years Reverend Russ Kane and his family have dedicated to New Hope and the excitement for what's to come in his next journey of retirement. I thought of that until I heard that my grandsons might be coming because when they hear a lot of talking, what they hear is this. They just hear blah, blah, blah. So I thought, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll do something different. (laughs) Um, But I do want to recap. I want to recap of what this season has been, what this journey of hope has been. And uh, there's a couple different ways we're doing that. Uh, As you walked in, perhaps you picked up a sticker and just made a sticker for, uh, as a way of remembering today, sticking it somewhere where that would be meaningful. Uh, if you take off, you can stick it on something permanently or stick it as in a book. Uh, it's just, it's, it's the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, may you abound with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard that, I think, haven't you? And it's part of what this whole theme is about today. It is about listening to what God is doing. Um, Allie is going to listen and give us our scripture today. Um, so I don't run by that too much. And, um, and then I'm going to... And then I've got some things to introduce this next section. But this is a, um, a, a passage about hope. Today I will be reading from Romans 8, 18 through 26. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the choice of the one who subjected it but in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from the slavery to decay and brought into glorious freedom of of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it is not only the creation, we ourselves who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest also grown inside, as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We are saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope For what we don't see, we wait. We wait for it in patience. In the same way, the Spirit comes to us in our weakness. We don't know what we should pray. But the Spirit pleads our cases with unexpressed groans. Amen. Amen. 
What does it mean to be a people of hope? What does it mean to be saved in hope? Sometimes people hear the word hope and they think it's pretty much equivalent to wishful thinking. We know better. It has nothing to do with wishful thinking, nor does it have to do with the escapism that imagines that someday God will just drop out of the sky and make everything right. That's not, that's not the hope that Paul is talking about. Hope. Hope is the kind of thing that takes the world seriously. It's not escapism. It isn't denying what's around us. It just takes the promises of God even more seriously, that in the midst of brokenness, the promise of God is that there will be mending. In the midst of sickness, there will be healing. In the midst of imprisonment, there will be liberation. People who are hungry will be fed. People who are thirsty will have that thirst quenched. People on the margins will be included. Those who've been, been made ashamed will be honored. All of this is the promise of God. And if any of that stares anything in you, pay attention because that's what hope does. Those are the promises of God. And anything that just stirs in us a bit is a way, is how hope works. Hope is the invitation from God's future. And the rest of our life is how we how we respond to that invitation. We know about that here because that's our name, but that's also been our theme. And we talk about what does it mean to be a people of hope? And we use things like values of, we have a, we have a big table. We invite people to a big table. This isn't a, an exclusively Presbyterian table. We talk about putting people first because Jesus put people first. We talk about finding our joy in service. We find about finding the sacred in the ordinary. And we talk probably the most hopey kind of value in there is that we nurture holy discontent. It's that discontent that something needs to change. Something could be better. Something needs to happen. Something needs to change that gets us into those liminal moments because we don't know what's next. We just know that there's something that's got God in it. This morning, we're going to have some windows. Uh, people are going to come and share uh, some windows of, of what it meant to be on the journey of hope. What does it mean to be the people of hope? And one of the windows and one of those liminal moments for us came many years ago uh, in my first year here uh, around Zimbabwe. And, um, and by the way, Roberta is here today, and I'm so pleased that Roberta gets to be here today. Ralph and Roberta had a liminal moment on a vacation and it has changed not only their lives but our lives as we stepped into that uncertain future from what was known into not known. Julia Henderson is not going to be here personally but she has been able to give a video and talk about that experience because Zimbabwe is more than just a point on the map. It's a mindset that has been a part of who we are, what it means to listen and respond to what God is doing. Dave Arnett is here this morning to talk about that same mindset when it comes to being here as a part of New Hope, a, a congregation that was founded for a community that wasn't here yet, for a congregation, a two congregations, Levere's and Sedalia, who sensed that there was something up, there was a liminal moment, there was a holy discontent, and that maybe, and what they did was they sold and closed down their two individual congregations to here, and then what do we do when we're here? And Dave's going to talk about some of those motions of how is it that we paid attention to and expanded in our facility and why we did that. Members of the congregation, last year, in the last couple years, we have reaffirmed a vision statement and uh, a number of the members of the congregation helped give voice to that. And we're going to see that this morning as well, that statement. Listen to it. If you don't hear holy discontent in that, you're not paying attention. Listen to it. Um, and if it doesn't stir something up in you, I'll be surprised. 
there's the, there's the moments uh, later on that we're going to have from Betsy talking about stepping into the future with, with the children and what does it mean to be part of a community here with children and a place where that we could, we could speak into a liminal time of young children in their lives and young families. And then Joy and EJ are going to talk this morning about a liminal moment that none of us chooses when the bottom drops out and life just, just decimates us. And how do we gather around and care for one another? Truly one of the hallmarks of a church. And because it's in liminal moments, we especially need to pay attention. We have a contemplative prayer piece of music that Leanne and Randy put together for us this morning because it's especially in those that we need to listen intently and seek the face, the presence, the attention of God who's already given God's attention to us. All of that are some of the windows that we have. And then, then there's some surprises, and I can't tell you much about that because I, I, I just don't know. But I do know all of this is a way of saying, hey, pay attention, because hope expands us. When we listen to it, when we respond to God's invitation, it makes us bigger. It makes our lives bigger. It expands into our community. It makes the love of God bigger and real. It puts flesh on words. It is grace itself. And to help us start with that, we're going to have Julia talk to us a little bit about how in the world and why in the world are we in the world in Zimbabwe. Good morning. My name is Julia Henderson, and I so wish I could be with you in person today to celebrate the ministry of Russ Kane and your work together at New Hope. I'm actually on a plane right now with my family on my way to Hawaii to celebrate my parents' 60th anniversary but I'm grateful for technology and the opportunity to be with you via this recording. I'm a ruling elder at First Pres Brighton, a former member of the Partnership of Zimbabwe and Denver Presbyteries Committee, and at this rate, a lifelong member of the Zimbabwe Mission Partnership. Russ talks about liminal moments, those moments when you have an opportunity to cross a threshold into something new leaving behind what's familiar and venturing into the unknown. Together, new hope. Through the ZMP and the PZDP, we have experienced a number of those moments. It all began with a retirement trip that Ralph and Roberta Pippet took to South Africa. While on a train there, they met a woman who would describe her school in her rural home in Zimbabwe and tell them that it would benefit from Ralph's engineering school skills and Roberta's teaching skills. Ralph uh, could help repair the buildings. Roberta could teach the women to sew and establish a co-op. Ralph and Roberta felt the pull and crossed the threshold. They would go to that school, build new toilets and repair school buildings establish that co-op for sewing for the women in the area. They eventually knew, well actually probably pretty quickly, that this job required the help of New Hope and your congregation followed them through that door. Other partners were necessary so my congregation and others answered the call. We joined you on the other side and the energy level and excitement climbed. 
Denver Presbytery reorganized in 2000, specifically changing their mission efforts. No longer would the Presbytery determine the recipients of mission giving. A grassroots effort would now be encouraged, expecting congregations to come together in a shared passion for a particular focus. Always a thought leader, Russ was behind this new design. Our four congregations focused on Zimbabwe and became the Zimbabwe Mission Partnership. Formalizing our relationship came with some challenges. We were congregations varied in size, financial well-being, and location. But we figured out how to create a partnership where all were equal in voice, regardless of the gifts we brought to the table. We continued to attend to and refine those expectations so that all continue to be equal members as our table changes through the years. We were mindful of creating a partnership with our Zimbabwean partners that isn't patriarchal, but one of mutual respect. HIV and AIDS tore through Zimbabwe, creating the largest number of orphans per capita. The Heather Chimoga Orphan Care Center was established. Feeding centers were built. A clinic built. Mandatory government school fees were paid. Boreholes were drilled. We did this together with the guidance of our Zimbabwean partners. Eventually, the ZMP wanted a larger relationship that included Denver Presbytery and the Presbytery of Zimbabwe. The Presbytery of Denver agreed, and the relationship was initiated with a visit to Denver by three Zimbabwean uh, pastors in 2004. New hope continued to be key, with five families hosting those guests. In 2005, when Denver Presbytery traveled to Zimbabwe to finalize the new partnership of Zimbabwe and Denver Presbyteries, Russ and I were among the five who traveled to Zimbabwe. The Zimbabwe government was raging a war on their own citizens. Our safety was a question. We also wondered how would we find our way in a partnership when financial resources were so uneven? We walked through the door. There are 20 plus years of stories to share. Finding the fruits of the spirit in Zimbabwe, patience, hope, generosity, hospitality. Learning from our partners and their strengths in evangelism, church growth, and youth programs. Partnering with the Heather Chamoga Orphan Care Center as they work towards self-sustainability. A new, larger clinic has been built to serve the orphans and the community. And of course, life-sustaining friendships have been formed among us, between congregations and presbyteries. I remember a conversation I had years ago with Russ and some New Hope leaders. It was clear we had stepped outside our comfort zones so many times, crossed so many thresholds, that it was no longer frightening. That same voice that called us to the door was through the door with us, was waiting on the other side 
providing us with guidance. It's my prayer you all will feel this in your next steps in this journey. May it be so. go off script just a second say it's wonderful being here isn't it it is it is truly wonderful hey from its very beginning new hope was not a church built for the comfort of its present um, congregation it was a church built with reaching outward reaching others in mind as 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 russ talked about it was created by two churches closing closing merging moving here and creating new hope. That was done at a time when this area wasn't well uh, populated, didn't look a lot like what it is now, right? In fact, I am told that, that, uh, that there was a road dead ending here with a sign that actually said dead end. Not the most <laughs> foretelling thing, but yet new hope thrived. New hope thrived because hard choices were, were, were made by those, um, those churches. When we, we came here years ago, it was very clear to me, New Hope wasn't a um, closed church. New Hope was a church that reached out to everyone. You've heard this many times. Let's actually say it all at once, if we will. This is not New Hope's table. This is not a Presbyterian table. This is God's table. And it's that openness that has brought New Hope so, so far, far, far along. It's, you know, looking toward change and embracing change that has been part of this. So then we get to, to the early 2000s, right? Um, Douglas County was growing quickly. I know that's a shock. And uh, more people, more homes, more schools. New Hope, which didn't look anything like what it does now, was full, right? As uh, our uh, worship area was packed, our children's classrooms were overflowing. If you were Parking here at the time, you probably brought, brought alternate shoes because we were parking cars out on the mud next, next to the horses that were here, right? So, and the question is, what do you do? Do we say, hey, we're a big church already, we're full, we're comfortable, this is a fine time, and there is no, no vacancy? Or do you continue to say all are welcome? And it's a really hard choice. It's a very hard choice because there's risk. There's discomfort in this. There's um, financial challenges. It's a bunch of different things. And it's a hard, hard choice. But making those hard choices and embracing change is what New, New Hope has always done. And it was clear in, in going through that choice that it was not about those three Bs. It wasn't about bricks and bucks and bodies. It wasn't about numbers. It was about being open to all and, and welcoming everyone and, and embracing that, that opportunity for, for change. So what do we do? We did what New Hope does. We went out to the um, congregation, talked to folks, asked for, for input. We, we did that even beyond New Hope's walls. And of course, everybody came back with exactly the same opinion, right? Yeah, it was exactly. No, there were about as many opinions as, as there were 
people, quite honestly. And we looked at, do we build a new worship area? Do we build a gym? Do we move? There were a lot of different options. But in the end, we did what New Hope does. We embraced change. We put ourselves out on the ledge and, 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 and moved forward in that. And you know, throughout this, there isn't anything you can do without a certain amount of um, pain, right? But, and, and going through all this, and I'll, I'll just walk through a few con construction photos here. Um, what we found as we be began that is that change is hard because construction prices went up. It froze really hard that winter, and just, just to dig, dig dirt costs cost more. Um, and con con construction times always keep right on track, right? Everybody knows that? So that was all perfectly on, on track. People were walking over boards just to get into um, church. We had not only a greeter team going, but parking teams going and parking shuttles going. But that change and what we did, and I love this photo because it shows just how strong Russ is. He's actually holding <laughs> that, that pillar up. But it was really important. It was really important for a few different reasons, but mostly because we grew as a church. Again, not bodies, bricks, bucks, but growing as a church, welcoming other people was very important. And when there's, there's challenges, absolutely heroes arise, right? You know, Ralph and, and, and this cross, truly, truly heroic. Our um, fundraising team poured, poured this, put the uh, word fun in, in fundraising, which if you've ever done it, never happens, never happens. And just on a personal note, I remember when this room was being formed and it was just, just con concrete walls, Russ and I were, were in here one day talking and there was um, scaffolding that went all the way up, right? The um, room was, was full. So as we're talking, Russ and I are climbing up this scaffolding, get all the way to the cupola, climbed up through the cupola, up on the roof. I don't, I don't think our wives have quit rolling their eyes over that uh, behavior since then. But what we saw up there was amazing. It was a view of the community New Hope was chartered to serve. And New Hope has never been uh, never had a goal of being the best church in the community. Its goal is our goal, is being the best church for the community. So this has been a, a, a very, very powerful thing. And what came out of that, out of all that work, out of going, going out on the ledge, is this room. Is this room where folks have come in large groups to share loss, to share sorrow, to share, share joys, is a place to uh, park, which was very, very nice this morning, right? More and more importantly, these um, kids' classrooms under us are, are truly wonderful. It came because New Hope reached out through change and, and, and made its way through, and we've always grown in that. I would add, you know, this, this, this thing happened with a lot of folks, and like anything, you know, there's a whole bunch of folks that sweat. There's a few folks that bleed, and in anything really important, there's one person up in front that opens up their heart and their faith and their vision for this. And I, I just want to say thank you, Russ, for that. Thank you so much. And I, I bring that up not only to thank Russ, but we are again at an opportunity where there's change. There's a huge opportunity in front of us, and we can embrace that change like, like, like we did throughout this. Thank you.
Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. I am Betsy Nashan, director of New Hope Preschool, and I've been asked to speak about the way New Hope has an, and will continue to invest in the next generation. When my family and I began attending New Hope about 20 years ago, the biggest draw to us at that time was the thriving and robust children's ministry program. It was evident that New Hope values children and families, and that was exactly what we were looking for. It didn't hurt that the pastors were also relatable. <laughs> After listening to one of Russ's sermons during which he spoke about paying attention to something that may be nudging you, something inside me clicked. Now, this was not the first time I had heard Russ give this message, just the first time it gave me absolute clarity about what I should do. At the time, there was a need for someone to lead the Wednesday Night Faith Weaver Friends program for the elementary school children. So I paid attention to that nudge and signed up, and I loved it. Little did I know I would become a New Hope employee just a couple years later when New Hope Preschool was established. Dave spoke earlier about the massive construction project of building a new sanctuary and children's area. Particularly notable about that is not just the huge project it was, but that it was taking place smack dab in the middle of the Great Recession. But that's one of the things about New Hope. New Hope faces adversity head on. To use a racism, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Somehow, the New Hope decision makers seem to understand the bigger picture, and were they ever right? Because in February of 2010, New Hope Preschool opened its doors to nine children ages three and four. That was in February of that year. By the, by the next year, we had um, the, orig the original nine students in one classroom turned into 25 students in two classrooms. And over the next several years, the enrollment continued to increase, eventually adding a third classroom, then a fourth, and after a few more years, a fifth. Somewhere in there, a new playground was also built. After several years of fundraising, generous donations, and a lot of sweat equity from the Fix-It guys. This playground met state licensing requirements and is located adjacent to the preschool wing. At times, that process was tedious and frustrating, but again, the people of New Hope came through. New Hope invests in future generations. Currently, there are five classrooms, 70 students, hundreds of families served, and over the years, more dedicated teachers and aides than I can count. And very soon, a sixth and final classroom will be in the works to serve our youngest children ages two and a half and up. In addition, this classroom will also house the nursery for Sunday morning, which will allow the children from infants through sixth grade to be on the same level of the church. Easier for parents, better for kids. <clears throat> Thus far, I've only told you about the statistics of the preschool, which are certainly important, but I wouldn't be giving you an adequate representation of New Hope Preschool if I left it at that. The number of classrooms, students, staff members, and tuition collected are all necessary parts of making a preschool run. 
but it's the day-to-day -day stories of innocence, joy, and even pain that really makes us who we are. It's the relationships with families that are most important, and it's those relationships that make families come back with each subsequent child. 70 students may sound big to some, but 70 is still small enough for our staff to get to know, really get to know each and every child and his or her family. And it's in these relationships that the true joy in our jobs is found. We work on teaching the things you'd expect, letters, numbers, shapes, colors, but more importantly, we're, we work on social skills and conflict resolution and being good humans. A typical day might include bandaging a skinned knee, holding a child who misses her mom, giving children words to use when feelings are hurt, hugging a stressed out parent, saying or singing grace before snack time, opening countless granola bars, applesauce containers, and string cheese while wearing food safe gloves. Picture it, it's not easy. Texting a picture to an anxious parent, cleaning up an accident, cleaning up another accident, having an impromptu dance party, singing Baby Shark again, <laughs> reassuring a parent that he is doing a good job, wiping a nose, wiping a different body part, wiping paint off the floor, meeting after school with parents about a concern, and the list goes on. It's in all these examples and more that New Hope continues to invest in the future generations by demonstrating its passion for valuing Christian education for children of all ages. So to everyone who has trusted us with your children, thank you. To everyone who has volunteered for projects that help the preschool, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Eric and Jamie Lewis, for all you did at the beginning to get this thing going. Thank you, and thank you, Russ, for always being a voice of reason and support, and for understanding the value of early childhood education. I will miss our talks. I will miss getting to see pictures of your precious grandsons. I will miss your leadership, but because I've learned so much from you as a leader, New Hope Preschool will continue to thrive and will continue its investment in future generations through play, through love, and through grace. Thank you. Joy and I have seen Jesus, our Lord, in you. The picture on the screen is, our, is of our beloved Sam's memorial service. Sam was actually a big part of our decision to attend New Hope. Why is it seven? and also very impressed with Miss Kitty's googly eye headband on our first Sunday. <laughs> on the tragic, heartbreaking morning of Sam's death, new hope. 
showed up at our door. You wept with us. You sat with us. And you prayed for us. You provided sacred space for us to grieve. You listened, sent cards, hugged us, brought us meals, picked us up in a snowstorm, shoveled our driveway when we only had enough energy to breathe. Sam's memorial planner in the center of the picture was made the first 24 hours after Sam's passing by his co-workers at Or Design. They had it ready for us when we arrived in Salt Lake City. They sent it here for Sam's service. It arrived with a finish damaged. That broke the dam. Russ researched how to restore the finish and made several trips the week of Thanksgiving to ready it for Sam's celebration of life. New Hope helped create a service that was a tribute to Sam and very comforting to Joy and I. During the reception, my family had conversations with one another about whether any had experienced a community like New Hope. No one had. They acknowledged what an awesome community Joy and I are a part of. Yes, we saw Jesus our Lord in you then, and we still do. The love, support, compassion, and encouragement you provided didn't end there. In fact, it hasn't ever ended. When I returned to youth group, I was, I was uh, humbled and overwhelmed by the youth. Their love, cards, and kind words. Beck looked at me that night and said, EJ, you need us as much as we need you. He was spot on. That is what love looks like. It's reciprocal. I often tell people how well New Hope loves God and loves their neighbors at themselves. Thank you for putting people first. We've had many liminal moments along the way. I would like to tell you about two. The first was the first night without Sam. I was pretty much bent double from the heaviness of the sorrow. And a thought came to mind, you are not leaning on a stranger. It caught my breath. I felt it in my marrow. And it has anchored me ever since. And it didn't come from nowhere. It was awakened from all the years we've been taught and shown here that God is one with us, present in all things, and that we are thoroughly loved no matter what. And that has become a part of us 
That is who we are. More recently, I realized there was another facet to that gem. While that sentence has come back often, it came back in another liminal moment. We were not leaning on a stranger because we were leaning on you. Our beloved family of hope, our true community. As EJ made that list, you were here, you were there in unique and amazing ways. Please know, there were no small gestures. It all mattered. It still does. A, a knowing glance around the room or eye contact from across the room meant the world still does. Reminded us we're not leaning on strangers. And even if those gestures seemed small to you, small things done many times are big. It all mattered, and it still does. So New Hope family, thank you. Our life group, if you don't have one of those, you really need to find one. Our life group, such support, no words. You literally kept us breathing. Thank you. And Russ, your legacy here is irrevocable, is God's irrevocable and wholly infinite love. You have consistently, for a lot of time, taught us about the love of God and that returning that love to God means loving one another. You've taught, you've mentored, you've lived community among us. And it has become our DNA. It is who we are. Thank you. I'm pretty sure that the best way we can show our gratitude to Russ and Leanne is to continue to be that community of the beloved inside these walls and outside these walls. And God of infinite love, thank you that we belong to you and we therefore belong to each other. So one of the benefits of uh, making and printing the bulletin is you can insert yourself anywhere you want to, hence me. And you can add cute little pictures and things like that. So that's why I'm here today, because you didn't know about it. I had my first encounter here at New Hope. It was almost seven, seven years to the day, actually. And it was via a phone interview with Miss Leslie Clemenson. And I knew even just from that phone interview what a compassionate, loving, and understanding place New Hope is. It was incredible. 
I wasn't part of the congregation. In fact, I attended another church. But it has never mattered, never. I was welcomed with open arms. Over the years, we have built a rapport. We have laughed and we've cried together. You've all helped me feel important and appreciated. You have become my family. The staff, and Russ in particular, have been a huge and impactful part of my journey here at New Hope. Some people may not realize that Russ is just a, not just a pretty face on the midweek memo video, truly, or the shepherd and encourager you see here on Monday, or Sunday mornings, not Monday, he's not here on Monday, on Sunday mornings. Russ has another crucial responsibility here at New Hope, and that is head of staff. Some might say that's uh, hurting cats. So yes, Russ has been my boss for seven years, but he has also been a teacher, a counselor, a confidant, an encourager, and a friend to me and to so many of the staff over the years. Russ, I smile when I think of you walking in with your head down, who, by the way, the first day he was back from vacation completely missed that there was a tree planted in the center of the courtyard. <laughs> Sorry, I had to tell everybody that one. <laughs> yeah. He walks in every, every day, same routine, looks up into his mailbox, over at me, good morning, straight in to make coffee. I'm going to miss that routine. I'm going to miss buying you coffee. But most of all, I will miss you sitting in the chair across from my desk as we talk about the deeds of the week, the plans. You share the incredibly cute pictures and stories about your grandsons. And you introduce me to all kinds of different kind of music another banter of sarcastic humor and laughs that we trade back and forth. I will miss that. The financial plan for my family has always been to transition to a more lucrative job after my son started driving and I would exit New Hope. And when I told my husband that Russ was retiring, I think he thought that would seal the deal for me to move on. But I had no second thought, no hesitation. And I said, I would never leave New Hope. New Hope is my family. They are my home. So I say to all of you today that even though Russ has been an integral part of New Hope for many years, back to the big mustache days, today's, to today's current many array of vests, he himself is not New Hope. By the way, you know you're committed to the theme when you wear a sweater vest in July. <laughs> But we are all New Hope. We are family. We will grieve together. We will embark on a new journey together. We are New Hope. We are family. Russ, you have served so faithfully. You will be missed immensely. We will long for your presence here, but we will move forward. We will continue to try new things and we will step into the liminal moments together. May you be proud of the work you have done. May you never underestimate the difference you have made and the lives you have touched. On behalf of the staff, past and present, 
Congratulations on your retirement, Russ. We wish you joy, peace, rest, and all the very best. I mean best. Hello, friends. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Holm, and I was an associate pastor here for 15 years. And I, I was known as the crying pastor. I, I really still don't know why. Um, it's so strange. Um, but uh, indeed, there may be a few, few tears. <laughs> Try something new. It was 21 years ago when I interviewed with Russ out of Princeton, New Jersey. It was in the finishing months of seminary. And uh, searching, exploring that first call out of seminary. What would that be like? Where would it be? Russ and I met and there was... It was kind of a, an instant connection. And I was attracted to New Hope because of their story at that point. It was that story that Dave mentioned of these two churches that sold their individual places and properties and merged together to form something new. Friends, in the history of the Christian movement, I think that's the only time I've heard of such a thing. <laughs> Honestly, we have been so much better at dividing and separating and going different ways than we ever have of coming together. And yet, that was the genesis of New Hope. And I was hooked. I said, I want to be a part of that. That DNA, that kind of a place that says, yes, God is calling us to something new and we don't want to miss it. And so I was in and on board. And as I've been reflecting this last week, thinking about being here, and I got to thinking about some of the different new things we tried along the way. Bold maneuvers that not every church would have tried. But we did. First, you hired me. <laughs> that was pretty bold. Man. But it was bold. It was hiring a, a full-time associate pastor that they had not had before. Going from one pastor to two pastors. The budget was stretched. Thank you for your generosity to make it work. That was a challenge. That was trying something new and bold, and you did it. Well done. I thought about so many different other challenges and new things we tried. Some of you may remember the big green bus. Yes, affectionately called the Green Monster because it had the worst green paint job ever. Uh, we, we took a chance on buying that with the youth ministry and going forward. We took a chance, of course, on expanding and building this space and then within it to start a new preschool. That was a risk. 
I'm so glad we risked together. We tried something new. It was, it was worth the risk. I, I think of different moments. How many of you were here for the 40 days of purpose? Do you remember that? Right? That was fun. And it was a risk. Do you remember, remember the big event at the fairgrounds? We kicked it all off, right? Oh, that was good. And we moved the bus, uh, big RV that was there. It was so good. We were trying things, new things, and we, we had this amazing growth of small groups together. Life groups really got launched out of that. Trying something new. I think about Easter sunrise service at Daniel's Park. How many of you have been to that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> right. I brought up that idea to Russ at one point. I said, ah, how about a sunrise service up at Daniel's Park? He said, you go right ahead. <laughs> it's a great delegation. Yeah. Yeah. And we froze our patooties off, right? Year after year. And it was so good. And there was always this great influx of, of friends and neighbors from the community who we necessarily wouldn't see in any given Sunday, but we saw them at Daniel's Park. And we knew God was good. It was there. I think about the, the Christmas Eve service we started for families with little ones. With the, the, the petting zoo, the animals. Jamie, do you remember Happy the Camel? Oh yeah, we had a camel out there one time. And thankfully nobody died. It was close a few times, I'll just say that. Yeah. When I took the call to serve here in 2001, Castle Rock's population was roughly 20,000. <laughs> the 2020 census puts the population of Castle Rock at 73,000. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's bigger or smaller than that in the last two years. I, I suspect... It looks like maybe it's gotten a little bigger again, right? But of course, you saw the pictures. You, you saw that, that when, Cat, when New Hope began here, we were the dead end. We were on the edge of nowhere. The meadows had started a development and failed. And there was one section of homes, and that was it. We were on the edge of nothing. It was all barren land. And other churches in town scratched their heads and said, what are you doing out there? Nobody's ever going to be out there. <laughs> Every year, our session gatherings, a certain time each year, we would wander up kind of a, the upper portion of the property and we would look. We would look around the neighborhood and the town and just see year by year the expansion and the growth and, and just see how, how Castle Rock just kept growing to us, right? And now, we're, now, now New Hope is in the center in so many ways of, of town. It's crazy. Wow, that was trying something new, something nobody else thought would really go, work, but they did. And part of it worked because this guy, Russ, Rusty, Sir Kane, liked trying things, like trying something new. 
And he let some of us also try new things. And, and I didn't mention some of the different failures along the way. But hey, when you try new things, sometimes they don't always work. And we learn and we grow. And it is good. So we're here today to say thank you. We're here today to reflect. We're here today out of gratitude, excitement. Consider what's the next new thing you will try. I'm excited for you. I've seen so many new things along the years and it's been good. And I'm excited for you for what that new thing, that next new thing will be. Are you ready for it? Oh, come on now, you're new hope. Are you ready for it? Yes, you are. Yes, you are, indeed. I'm not gonna say any more right now. Because the more I look at, look at him, that's what happens. So, so Russ, for 15 years together, thank you for all that has been and will be. Yes. Well, this started as a fairly brief service. Um, wow, what an overwhelming thing. Um, we've got some things to get to still. Uh, they're important or brief, but they're important. But before, uh, I just need to say, uh, one of the things that we start off with around here, and I'm finishing with this, this morning, is what are you grateful for? It's that nourishing of gratitude that uh, opens us up. And it's, 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 I believe it's the essential equipment for anyone who wants to move into a liminal time. It's the only thing that gives us courage to see where God has been, then that gives us the courage and the confidence to maybe go what might be next. And I am standing here as, as, as someone who is very grateful. A grateful man. I am grateful to all you who put this together. There are, it's been weird around here the last couple weeks, uh, month, as I would walk into rooms and people who were whispering would stop whispering and look at me like I had intruded on something. And it, uh, there was all kinds of things going on I had no idea about. My goodness, what a surprise and what a, an incredible gift all of that is. And I, um, I'm so grateful for the, the friends, the staff that are here. Eric, I, went, I, I opened up the bulletin. I said, Eric, what are they going to do? They're going to bring him a, a video of Eric? Because, you know, he works on Sundays. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then Jamie is here. Um, Audrey was here a couple weeks ago. Kitty is here. Lisa is here. Wow. Karen is here. Um, I may have missed somebody, but that, that's who I saw and heard about. Um, what a gift. I, I am a grateful man who has been deeply blessed. I am a grateful man, deeply blessed by my own family. And um, I am so proud of my children and Justin, our son-in-law. And um, there are so many times in any job where there's this tension between having to say no to family in order to say yes to what your job is. And I know I said no to my family too often. And I'm grateful for them, their patience, um, their resiliency. Um, 
I have two grandsons, Elliot and Sam. The other day, we were, I always got to watch part of a movie, which is called The Yes Day. It, um, it seems kind of scary to me, but I'm looking forward to being able to say yes to my family and to, certainly to them. They're a, they're a lot of fun to hang out with, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm a grateful man. I have been blessed. I am a grateful person and a grateful man. You saw pictures. I have been carrying this around since the day I announced my retirement. This is the card from Rich Gantenbein. This was his business card. And um, uh, I am grateful for him, his life, his influence. Um, those who don't know, it was, uh, we were getting ready to do what we always do, um, to plan sermons. This would have been his last year of sermons, I believe, at St. Andrew in Sonoma. And on his uh, 67th birthday, when he was getting ready to go celebrate, he um, had a heart attack and passed about two days before we were supposed to get together. And so I knew that this day would include Rich. I'd be carrying Rich with me because he didn't get to have this celebration with his congregation. His congregation didn't get to have this celebration with him. Um, I'm a grateful man. I've been deeply blessed. I have been deeply blessed by the one who has said yes to me more than anyone else in this life, and that's my wife, Leanne. Um, it began, as we were sharing the other day with some friends, as a juniors in high school, we got stuck at the same table to be lab partners in biology class. <laughs> she was cool. She had a Mustang. I was not. I rode a 10-speed. And she began to say yes, and we began saying yes to each other, and we walked through so many things. She has been such an integral part of my life in all the ways that she yet said yes. I talked the other day about when she lived in San Diego and I was doing youth ministry in, California, in Long Beach and Bellflower, and she would drive back and forth in the middle of school, and it was a pattern. She would continue to drive and flex her life around me. When it was time to go to seminary, she worked full-time, so I got to go to seminary. Our first church, uh, she drove downtown L.A. so that I could work where I worked and be close. And same in Washington. She drove 45 minutes back and forth every day, so I got to work and be close to the church and was integrally there. And then when we moved here, driving every day, uh, into Denver in the midst of T-Rex, worked so that I could live here, I could be here, and just continued to give and say yes and yes and yes. And she was involved with the original praise team and anchored the early service for so many years and was deeply involved. We made some decisions and what was done and said and not said effectively excluded her from something she, she loved deeply. And I, I was a part of that as well. And so that this place became a place that no longer felt welcoming or safe. And she still found ways to say yes. Um, we found ways to say yes to each other and discovered a different type of spirituality that, than either of us had been raised on. But she had clues long before I did. Uh, contemplative and when we got to put together a class called Reimagining God, that was months and months of talking and thinking and sharing, and that was a great joy. And then getting to be part of the oasis, finding ways to say yes. 
um, this morning you got to see uh, one of the things ever since COVID she and Randy got back together again and I had the joy of getting to help produce those things and we would sit and talk about the passage and what was, what was going on and create something and they would create those videos, those contemplative moments and deeply involved and getting to say yes in those ways too. She kept finding ways to say yes, even, even when it was painful, even when it was hard. And I was reflecting back now that we had been married 46 years. Um, we uh, early on had a, had a love of uh, Frederick Beekner, who you've heard me quote. Nobody can spell his name, but it's... Um, uh, and, and the quote that I got to share recently, again, was one that has meant a lot to us, summed up an awful lot when he says, listen to your life, listen to your life. See it for the unfathomable mystery that it is. In the boredom and the pain of it, no less than in the excitement and the gladness. In the boredom and the pain of it, no less than in the gladness and the excitement. Touch, taste, smell. Smell your way into the holy and hidden heart of God. Because in the last analysis, all the moments, all the moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. Life itself is grace because it is God's yes back to us. And that is why we are here. This is about uh, the occasion of a liminal moment for me, my family, for us as a congregation. But I hope that as we have drilled down on this particular time and place, this particular moment, it has shown some light and encouragement and strength for the liminal moments that each of us are in. And it will begin, and we'll have the courage, regardless of what that moment is, when we begin with gratitude. Steve is here, and you got to hear him play out in the courtyard, and I'm going to ask him to play a piece. And as he's playing, if you would reflect on what are you grateful for today? Because I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for this place. And I'm grateful that in the midst of this, I got to be with a group of people who are willing to be bold and try new things, to be courageous. You keep talking about how I led you. You led me too. And uh, you encouraged me. And you pulled me as much as I pulled anyone else. And it was together. We did some really amazing things. But more than that, more than that, we discovered, uh, as the one passage in Romans says, uh, that even, even in the suffering, that produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope doesn't disappoint because, because it comes from God. I'm a grateful man. I've been greatly blessed. How about you? What are you grateful for? Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.